Hello and welcome back to the Donkey's Garage for season two, episode 19, racing in Austria, in the mountains, up in the mountains, in the area called Spielberg. A very nice, very scenic environment with uh, a lot of green, um, big mountains. It looks absolutely beautiful, the, the images that were recorded um, by the helicopter as, as it um, flew over the, the racetrack. It showed a beautiful, beautiful location. And not only is it a beautiful location, but it also is home to the Red Bull Ring, which is, so to speak, the, the, the racetrack um, which, which is currently under ownership of the Red Bull uh, brand which, uh, as many of you will know, they, they do have interest in, in many sports. They, they participate in, in racing, they do other, other sponsorships in uh, acrobatics, as well as, as uh, by, um, VTT, or even, I believe, they do also in, in, in sailing and so on. Actually, I think there is a, just a new Tudor watch that came out just recently under the sponsorship of the team that Red Bull owns in, in, this, um, in this sport. But coming back to, uh, to the Austrian Grand Prix, this was a sprint race. And before I go into what happened actually during the weekend, I wanted to address one comment that was addressed to me by my uncle, that is, with regards to how racing is 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 then transmitted, how it's is is com commented by by the media, and it is something that is perhaps recurring, and especially in 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 recent times, in that the media have traditionally had always an an agenda, and and of course commentators they they are of a of a certain fans of a certain driver or they are more inclined to to support one one team or another and there have been of course quite um, substantial I wouldn't say scandals but but uh, situations which have have become known to to the public especially with regards to how the press has treated certain drivers and for instance if I'm if I may recall and give this example back in the 2007 when when Hamilton and Alonso were part of the McLaren of McLaren and there was the tension or a growing tension between the two of them the English media became really really aggressive on how they treated Alonso and of course this was because Hamilton was the the English driver and they were very very keen on on so to speak somehow discredit Alonso and they, they were particularly loud about their opinion and kind of a rhetoric evolved in background in which they arrived to such point where Alonso even I think made some comments which, which were in that perspective and it has happened also in, in all the times of course that, that the media have been accused of, of, of inciting a certain perspective or more recently we've seen it how the British media again 
described in a manner that was almost uh, inciting to 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 disrespect or or to or to or to treat ill Verstappen during the controversial year in 2020 when he f won his first title, and of course there was the accident in. Silverstone between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, where they they collided. I, I think it was a turn at the cops, where both of them uh, went into into this corner. It's a right hand corner that nowadays is almost flat out. You just have to lift just a tiny bit. And as they as as, as Hamilton was in the inside, Verstappen then was hit by by Hamilton and then propelled or, or rather, uh, well, I mean. He just um, lost lost the car and went and uh, against the against the barriers at a significant speed, which could have caused a, a significant or unpleasant situation had had the cars not been as safe as they are nowadays. And of course, I say this with a heavy heart because we learned during uh, the Saturday Jeep Grand Prix at um, the Austrian Grand Prix that a fellow driver lost his life at the at Spa um, in Belgium in an accident that was, as many have reported, unnecessary. Again, it shows that sometimes the rules are blind and sometimes the decisions um, which are taken are, are hasty or are un, un, unchecked. And unfortunately, the the people who bear the the consequences are not the stewards of course but the drivers and i'm not saying in any way whatsoever that the stewards are to blame for the for the accident probably no one should be blamed at all it is an unfortunate consequence of racing everyone who races or everyone who takes part in racing in whichever capacity they know that there is there is always a risk a very high risk of of of, of real um, mortality and it is perhaps what keeps people grounded and, and I think it's been repe repeated over and over that when we look at the TV and say oh they could have done that or they could have done otherwise at the end of the day they are driving they are behind these machines that are a thousand horsepower that they are driving at 340 K an hour, they're doing incredible speeds. They are taking enormous risks, and going over the line is 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 the difference between staying alive and losing your life in in that particular race track. And of course, I will have to mention the Nicky Lauda. To quote Nicky Lauda um, in his memorable reference to what the difference is between taking. A certain degree of, of risk with to which every driver has to be with which every driver has to be comfortable with you have to take a certain amount of risk every time you go on the car but you shouldn't take a one percent more of that strict necessary danger and that is exactly what I think was was you were a reference to to the conditions that that led to to his accident in the in the in the Nürburgring back in the days in 1974, I believe. Well, with that said, again, uh, my my deepest deepest condolences to the family of this um, Dutch driver uh, who lost his life in in very in a 
well, in, in harsh conditions, of course. Um, definitely not something that you want to see as a parent, definitely not something you want to see as a fellow driver, and definitely, I think, something you don't want to see as, as a fellow human being. With that said, I will come back to, to the story about the, the media. So the media has these, these tendencies to, to create polemics, to, to create tensions uh, with one driver or another because, I mean, they have one opinion. And, and of course, when, when the media are polarized in, in, in the way they are in, in, certain, in certain countries, and I think it's a never-growing trend, this is, is, is likely to, to grow. And my uncle was telling me about how he was listening to the news in, in Spain about the Grand Prix. And to his mind, what was being described wasn't necessarily true, but it was more of a, of a, of a, of a, of a personal opinion of a certain person, which then was being put forward as, as, as the truth. So there is this fine line between your personal opinion and what the facts are. And I think this was in the context of Carlos Sainz being described as, as perhaps incompetent or not sufficiently aggressive or just being, I don't know, one way or another, not as good as Fernando Alonso. There, I think there was all the comments saying that... Um, Ferrari was sacrificing science race for the sake of Leclerc and so on. So there, there, there is, of course, um, when I listen to him, some, some, some truth and some, some personal um, perspectives that, that go into those opinions. And it is true that, that it, is, it is the case, an, ever, an ever-growing situation, that these media tend to, to create or to, to make more of, of, of something that, that is the truth. And of course, the, the role of, of, of a journalist, of, of a person who comments, who, who transcribes an event should be to, to provide facts as objective as, as, as one can and not really transmit their personal opinion more than it is necessary. I mean, there is a there is a venue for everything. You can give your opinion, but then give the facts so that people can can make up their minds in the most objective way. And you can only provide the opportunity to the listeners to to really make up their minds in an objective way, in an unbiased way, and and through through providing them unbiased un. Um, just facts, objective facts of what happened. And this is something that, that is very important and it's something that I take very close to my heart. It's something that I try to do. And I know I'm not always true to my word because, of course, I am, I am a human and I am very passionate about the sport, extremely passionate, and sometimes I lose even track of, what, what my, of my objectivity, of what I should be really telling. But with that said, I think this, this is something true. It's something that, that should be reinstated and should be reminded of people like Lobato in Spain, who comments Formula One for Movistar, for Dathon, I think it's, it's called the, the, the outlet. He's been accused over and over for being a so-called Aloncista, for being in favor of Alonso and sort of downgrading or, or even being unnecessarily harsh on his rivals and I mean you can clearly see that he's a man that uh, supports and and is in favor of 
of Alonso, and I, but I have never witnessed him necessarily being being unbiased or or un or overly over 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 the limit. I mean, he's definitely given opinions which are um, he, where he praises Alonso, and I think that should shouldn't really be criticized. Um, and I haven't really witnessed myself that he's been over over and over. Um, an objective, but I mean, this is not particularly the 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 object of of, of my critics. I mean, I, I I support these these specific personalities into his comments, um, especially to the videos he makes after the races. And I don't find him to be somebody that that shouldn't be trusted. That is um, that incites to some sort of hate hatred or so on. But I, uh, my comment, my uncle was making comments about a uh, different Spanish outlet that said, "I don't want to defamate this 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 um, this journalist um, that I'm speaking about." With that said, um, enough uh, comments about this, which are, um, I mean, ancillary aspects to the race. This was a sprint weekend, which means that the structure was a bit weird with the. Qualifying towards the race on Sunday actually taking place on Friday and then the sprint race and the qualifying to the sprint race both take place on Saturday with the qualifying for the sprint race so this, this, this mini qualifying for the for the mini race taking place Saturday morning and then on the in the afternoon you have the sprint race which is then a format uh, may I recall for everyone who is listening which is just a shorter race, which is supposed on paper to incite more overtaking, more of a daring attitude by the drivers to, to take more risks. This is theoretically supposed to really mimic more of the conditions that you would have in go-karting or any other categories where drivers are not so careful about saving tires, saving fuel, saving whatever, saving engines, so on. At the end of the day, on paper, it sounds nice. In reality, it's not exactly what happens. Quite to the contrary, the sprint race has turned into these well scenario where drivers know that you can win little and yet you can lose very much because if you have an accident and you crash the car in a significant manner, you are then doomed for the day after. And the day after is actually the real races where actually points are then distributed for real and where you've got like big points being awarded. And that means that as a driver, you're not going to take that many risks at the end of the day. Even if you could get one point, two points, five points, but I mean, Yes, they are significant, and as we've seen in the past, uh, for instance, in the in the period um, in the period where where Verstappen and Hamilton were fighting to, for the lead of the championship and ultimately for the championship, every point matters. But ultimately, you have to be, be more of a of a planner, in a long term planner, in that sense, and really. Think ahead and say, "Am I going to, to really risk everything for 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 in this race?" And if you've got nothing to lose, you're far more likely to go flat out than if you've got much more to lose. And that could be, for for instances, uh, staying in the lead in the championship or staying 
sufficiently close to the first driver in the in the in the in the championship's lead in order to still be in content for 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 the lead or the championship at the end of the year, which is, for instance, the case for Paris or the instance for for for. Uh, for example, could be of Alonso. I mean, you, you're going to try to maximize your points, but not risk too much. And this is something that, that really we've seen over the last few races. But the sprint weekend actually um, in Austria was a bit different because rain came to, to, to the rescue and really it's added a bit of spice to a very dull weekend otherwise. And I have to make the comparison between the sprint race and the actual race on Sunday. Where the sprint race, I think, was quite eventful. It was quite interesting to watch, a lot of happening. The result itself was quite clear. It was written on the walls from the outset, I would imagine. Because, I mean, in recent, in the, in the last season, nobody else other than Max Verstappen half won. This means eight races this means that i mean it's 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 becoming a trend it's becoming really heavy on on the heart to to bury but it is the case that rain does add a bit of of, of spice it adds this 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 i guess um doubt as to whether something is going to happen more of of a i don't know of a of, of more doubts more insecurities um Surge and then, as I say, it's something that the rain did really change something in in the race. And as I'm going to tell, the qualifying was already eventful because of the nonsense that really takes place at the at the uh, the at Spielberg at at the Red Bull ring, which is. The layout is essentially a beautiful layout of a track that is for more or less quite straightforward. Even though it's it's technical, don't get me wrong, but it's something is it's not as 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 I don't know as as complicated you might say as I don't know uh, Spa or maybe I I don't know other 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 venues. I mean the. In itself, the track is pretty straightforward. If you, if you actually drive it on on the PlayStation, on the F1 game, you will see it's it's not the easiest track either. But it's, it doesn't really qualify as as a, as a difficult track. You've got um, more or less three braking points, which are very significant, which which are demanding on the brakes, and then you have two very nice uh, straights. Which in which you require quite low drag, um, low downforce, and then you've got a middle section which then kind of connects four five turns, which then require a bit more downforce. It requires a bit more of a, of a technical side on the driver. You've got some very nice places to overtake. So the the main straight you are uphill, so you're braking uphill. You've then turn almost at a ninety degree angle. And then you've got another nice long straight, which is all the, the way uphill, and then you, which is a bit bended actually to to the right, uh, to the left, and then you arrive to this nice nice corner where you again it's almost ninety degrees, where essentially you break uphill. Then you've got this kind of hollow area in the on the apex of the of the actual corner, and then you have another straight which with another DRS zone. 
which lead you to the, the, the fourth corner. So in the, all that section is really, really fast. Essentially, you're doing one... Sorry about that. Uh, apparently, Apple is listening to me. So essentially, you are listening... Uh, you, sorry, you are turning uh, into uh, turn four, which then leads you to the more... Uh, to the other, which is a bit more complicated, uh, more, more, more tricky in that sense. In turn one, you would be inclined to think that you could overtake there, yes, but not necessarily because then you have a back, uh, another straight which is then going to give the, the preference to the driver having the slipstream. So you're going to try to, to really c come out real, real close of, of turn one, then get the slipstream on turn uh, towards turn two turn three actually and then as, as you come out turn three you're trying to get this nice nice um, speed out of the corner in order to to really have a nice defense on turn four and then try to 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 run away as, as the turns uh, then come one after another towards um, the sector two so essentially as I say the the track itself is 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 quite straightforward but then you've got very nice runoff areas which have absolutely no cause not damage whatsoever cause not penalty whatsoever to the drivers so in a track where if you go a bit over the border over the limit you will gain a benefit I mean why not and you will definitely you know play your cards as a driver you are I guess taught to think that way and you've got some 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 specific areas which are perfect for, for, for that way of, of for that mindset which is at the start of the race turn one gives you a perfect opportunity if you miss your, your the corner to go into the runoff area of turn one and then just rejoin the the leader the, the pack and not really not lose lose anything which is something that was done by Alonso a couple of years ago and then he was told that told off for doing that and then he said well, I mean, if you put a runoff area that really doesn't penalize the driver, why not do it? And at the end of the day, I mean, everyone is doing it, so you might as well do it yourself. And it's something that hasn't been stressed enough. And actually, Verstappen was, was quite clear about it and said, if you don't want drivers to go on the runoff area, it's very simple. Put grass or gravel and you'll see drivers won't go there. And that is very much the truth. And this is something that we see ever over and over at the Spielberg track, which is in turn eight and, and, and nine and ten, you've got the very right, beautiful runoff area on both corners actually, on the, or rather the, yeah, the, the two um, sides on, on the left hand side of the track, which allow you to take this very nice racing line, which is significantly faster, especially towards the, the main straight. And I mean, at the end of the day, you are going to benefit from, from going over the, the limit. And the pre previous year, we, you had a massive banana, which was causing a lot of damage on, on the cars that was placed on turn 10 in order to prevent them from going over the limit. And the teams complain about it because, I mean, essentially they, the drivers were destroying the cars every time they were going over that banana. And then they removed it. And this year there was no, really no, 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 no piece of, of garment on the track that would penalize the driver for going over the limit and, and really placing the car on the, on the runoff area. And this is something that really became apparent during qualifying because on the, on the sprint qualifying and during qualifying itself, because all the laps were being annulled 
because the drivers had gone over the limits and they they, they were all on, I mean they they, they, they they were illegal in that sense and it's something that we saw again 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 and Perez actually got his time invalidated three times in Q3 which was incredible I mean Q1 sorry that's incredible because he essentially had to start the race on Sunday from P15 because he was unable to actually put the car within the the, the limits of the, the, the racetrack for the qualifying for Q1 and his, his, his lap time kept being annulled. And it's something incredible. I mean, of course it's doable, but the limit is just very, very thin. And, you, and of course these drivers, they're trying to, to go for every millimeters they can. And if, especially if you're going up against Verstappen, you're gonna have to fight tooth and nail and you're gonna have to find every limit whatsoever there is on the track in order to really gain the advantage or try to, to come as close as you can to him. And this is something that we saw during this weekend and I guess Verstappen was smarter, was clever uh, than Paris because he managed to do his lap times within the, the, the track limits whereas Paris wasn't. And I think this is something quite unfortunate to see a, a, a track which is, I mean, fairly nice to drive but has this sort of inherent deficiency within its, its design that then leads to, to situations which are quite incredible, quite unbelievable themselves. Which then brings me uh, to conclude that the qualifying greet on Friday was Verstappen, Leclerc, Sainz, Norris, Hamilton, Stroll, Alonso, Hülkenberg, Gasly and Albon with, I think, quite a honorable mention for Hülkenberg, Gasly and Albon for placing the cars 8, 9 and 10 respectively. I mean, great job for Hülkenberg, he's coming with a Haas, which is not the fastest car on track, I wouldn't even say it belongs to the top 10, but it is a mini Ferrari or a, or a Ferrari with a different dress, and it kind of shows the strengths strength of, the, of the Ferrari of the, pre, the previous iteration, and that is that in, in one lap, in the, in the, in the, in the qualifying, in qualifying lap, in the shootout, it is a very fast car. It's still able to pull a P, a, a top ten with the old spec, which shows that in race conditions it then degrades and kind of loses momentum. But in qualifying, it is a very competitive car. Then another honorable mention for Gasly, I guess, for for placing uh, P nine. Um, I mean, Alpine is still they're not where they should be. But at the end of the day, who trusts Alpine? I'm sorry about that. To mention that actually a Reynold Gosling or whatever his name is, the American actor that plays Deadpool, bought a stake in Alpine, I think a 25% a stake in Alpine. So he has become not only a stakeholder in a uh, English football team, which is no known to anyone but the guys from 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 the local area or those who, who watch the the well, English football. He, I think the team is not even in Premier League. Which I have to say, I was watching the game between this team to that which name I cannot remember at the moment, and we're playing against Grimsby. Grimsby being a beautiful town, a seaside town near York, uh, where which I had the the, the pleasure and honor to visit. Um, a, t a small town that was back in the days mostly living on fisheries that that I mean it was one of the most important ports back in the days for for, it, for England 
along with uh, Hull, it's nearby Cleethorpes, um, not far away from Whitby either. Very, um, very quite scenic area. Cleethorpes is actually a beautiful place to go if you have the opportunity during the summer. Go, it's absolutely beautiful. Probably one of the best places in England to be during the summertime with a nice um, beach in which you can walk, you can even swim if, if you really dare to. But you're not far away from Lincoln. And I mean, I personally feel attached to, to Grimsby because I, a friend of mine, one of my best friends from university is actually from, uh, well, I mean, not from, 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 but he's, he's, um, he's, he's uh, let, let's, put, let's put it simple, he's from Grimsby. And I actually own a, a t-shirt. He, he offered me a t-shirt of the, of the Grimsby football team, which then, uh, coming back to the story I was trying to tell, the, the anecdote, they actually won against this, this team that, that this American actor bought a stake in. And I was really pleased to see that Grimsby, in spite of its limited resources and, of course, not being... I mean, it doesn't have the best players in the Premier League either, but, I mean, it was able to, to still play hard and win, and win the game against a team that is now... I mean, significantly stronger and a, on a more significantly on a more on a stronger financial financial position. And with that, I say hello to Joe, who will be very pleased to see that his little town is placed um, on the map. With that said, Alban Alban P10 with um, Williams is a good job. I think they had potential for a bit uh, a bit more. The Williams seems to be really strong in qualifying, as the as the Haas is, with a very very impressive top speed, which is which is what is currently helping the car really to stay ahead of its competitors. We saw it in the last race um, in, in in Canada actually, where it was actually holding back the whole pack just by its mere top speed, because in the, in the more uh, seniors air, uh, parts of the of the of the track the car was not performing so well and the, the pack was really coming into him onto him but as soon as as as, as, as the main straight uh, he came to the main straight he put his um, foot down and he would be able to really keep them keep them uh, at a at a breast and so with that said sprint the the sprint weekend structure then moves on to Saturday, which then is quite a different picture because, as I said, it's a, it's a mini race within a mini race with a mini qualifying towards the mini race. Well, then I think the 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 mini spring qualifying you saw more of a of a of what you would expect with Paris being in P two. Not suffering so much from 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 the unfortunate conditions he he had to bear in on on Friday because of the track limits, and then Verstappen was first, Perez was second, Norris third, with Hulkenberg, Sainz, Alonso, Stroll, Ocon, and Leclerc, and Magnussen. I think it's it's quite a similar picture with Leclerc suffering quite more than he suffered on Friday. Both. Ferraris were quite strong, and I applaud that. They seem to be making a step forward with the with the new aero aero package they've brought with the new side pods, which are very similar or or reminiscent of the Red Bull style. But then on 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 the spring qualifying, they were a bit um, I don't know shaky. 
I mean, Sainz was it was able, I, w- I would say, to, to to keep it together, but better than Leclerc did. For the rest, I think they're more or less the same. We saw that Alonso and Stroll they didn't really have m- much more pace than that. They were really on the sixth, seventh, eighth area. They were just kind of uh, staying within within the, the vicinity of that, really not having the pace to to go to to tackle the lead or to or to displace in any way whatsoever the the Verstappen the Red Bulls. With that said, the sprint race, as I said, wet conditions, it came really to, to, to shake things up uh, to what could have been a very dull sprint race, which is usually just 20 laps, 25 laps of, of the recurrent of monotonous um, turns around the track, which is essentially what you can reduce racing um, to. We, we witnessed something that we hadn't seen in quite a while, which was... Paris challenging Verstappen once again, and this was something really needed, especially for for his confidence. He was coming with a bit of a of a I don't know situ- I mean condition. Uh, he he felt unwell, whatever. Uh, he claimed that he was suffering from stomach uh, something. He was dizzy. Um, he couldn't eat. He couldn't really. He didn't really feel in his feet. So. He was coming. Uh, he was uh, having a hard weekend, but still, he was able to, to to go and neck and neck with Verstappen. That's what we saw at the start of the sprint race. He, they went up the hill together, and as they went up the hill together on turn three, which is this nice ninety, almost ninety degree corner with this hollow area right by the apex, you saw Perez got the lead on 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 the second straight. And Verstappen then goes on the right-hand side in order to take the inside of the turn. And Perez, I mean, he just places his car up on, the, on, on the racing line. And then he's going to turn. And, and Verstappen, in his very classic way of driving, is like, well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to come out ahead of you no matter what. And so essentially, he places his car in a way which gives absolutely no alternative whatsoever to to Paris than to go to the runoff area and then Verstappen is somehow mad at Paris for saying hey you you he was you know inciting or, or really creating a crash where where it was unnecessary I mean he was going to crash into me and I wonder in what kind of, of mind does that happen because essentially you were the one overtaking you were the one on the inside you were the one who went past the breaking point because you wanted to overtake him. It was wet. You couldn't stop the car within the, the right distance, within the, the, the turning point. And then you had to force your teammate to, to go to the runoff area in order to avoid crushing. I think Paris was, was just not over the line. And certainly, I don't understand why he had to apologize for that. I mean, Paris then apologized and claimed that he didn't see in his mirrors and that, um, sorry, sorry about that. I didn't mean to cause an accident. But, I mean, why do you have to apologize for being right and for being on... And, I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, if you watch the race and, and you think otherwise, please let me know. But from from how I see it, Paris didn't, didn't do anything that could potentially be blamed on him. He just raised Verstappen, which seems to be something he doesn't really appreciate from his teammate, that his, his teammate really challenges him for the lead. At the back, you had 
Sainz that did a pretty decent race, kind of stayed on a solid P3 almost all the whole race. He didn't start bad either. He had Norris ahead of him technically at the start, but then Norris had to take avoiding action in order to escape crashing with the two Red Bulls. And as he did that, he lost positions and then the Ferrari found himself right in the P3. And then he was just a fight um, there to, 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 to refine himself. Norris did a beautiful weekend overall. I mean, in a really, really solid weekend. There isn't actually much I can say about, about that. There is, I think, just um, the fact that Alonso and Stroll, they had a bit of a, of a beef between the two of them fighting for P4, P5, which I didn't understand. Alonso was significantly faster on track than Stroll, but for some strange reason he was told to stay behind. And Alonso accepted the decision of the team, though he, he really showed Stroll that he could get him easily. Uh, he didn't actually push and go over the limits, which I guess was respectable of him. Don't not necessarily understand why he did that, but I guess he, he accepted that it's better to keep Stroll content now and really ask for, for payback at an at a ulterior moment than, than cause tensions now unnecessarily. And really, I guess it's something about the, the ego. He strongly suffering a bit within the team, I imagine, by the fact that he's being outperformed so uh, heavily by his teammate, Alonso. And then Alonso is trying to, to really, I guess, keep the morale of the team altogether up is something that is within his best interest to, to keep Stroll motivated, to keep Stroll engaged with the team in order to really develop this car. That is a good basis forward because they are losing a bit of momentum at the moment with the Aston Martin, with Ferrari having made such a significant jump ahead there. They have brought an update that is really working. Even in Mercedes, even though in this venue they didn't really do well, they, they did a significant step up with the new upgrade. So Aston Martin seems to be a bit behind. So they're, they're, they're lagging and they really need to, to come together and really work on those, on the updates and try to maximize the, what they've got and really continue developing the car on a, on a positive um, trend upwards, of course. With that said, the Mercedes I wanted to mention, they had quite a difficult weekend overall. George Russell not being on the game at all during the whole weekend, Hamilton being significantly more comfortable, though on the spring race he felt like he was there, like he was, I mean, uh, I don't know, he, he felt like he was somehow, somehow there. He, they didn't actually score nice points either because, I mean, they were P8 and P10 at the end of the day. But they did some, I, I guess they, they felt a bit more comfortable with the car, but especially during the, the race, Hamilton had some comments which I will mention later. But, I mean, it just seems that the, 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 the Mercedes in uh, this specific track, they lost the, the momentum they had gained over the last two uh, races, especially in Spain being the, being the, the great moment where being the, the, the great, um, the upheaval, right, because... I mean, they, they were really good there. Even in Canada, they were really, really good. You know, with a great, great podium there. And then now they kind of came down to, to a bit more of a, of a 
dark, of a gray area where they need to work on, I guess, not something to lose your mind over, but certainly something that you need to work, but they will have to work to, to see what, what was missing. George Russell, he took the gamble in, in, in during the, the spring race, which was the big event, I guess, that, that loomed over the whole race, which was they, they started on a, on a wet track with intermediate tires, and as the, car, as the race went um, by, they then had to move to slick tires, to soft tires, and the question was when to do that and whether it was the conditions were given to, to slick tires. And actually the track really didn't dry until lap 20, so by the time they had to swap for tires, it was really uh, left four or five laps not much more. And the question for, for, the, for some of the drivers was, well, I don't really have anything to lose. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and try the best and see if I can be so much faster with, this, with slicks that I can gain some of the positions I will lose as a result of pitting for, for slicks. And that was a gamble that George took before anyone else. He did great. He managed to, to really maximize on that gamble coming back from from i think he was p17 to p8 it was only the first five drivers who stayed on intermediates that being verstappen that being paris that being norris and the two and the two aston martins that stayed on <coughs> sorry that stayed on on the intermediate, sorry, I got it wrong. On the sprint race, it was Max Verstappen, it was Paris, it was Sainz, and it was Stroll, and it was an and it was Alonso that stayed on, on, on intermediates, not Norris. Sorry about that. Well, with that said, it was a it was a great gamble. I mean, some of drivers, I guess, got the got a good job with that. They 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 maximized their resources. It was an it was I think it was quite a quite a nice race overall to watch. Especially if you compare it to what happened on Sunday, and I'm going to be, I think, far more brief on 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 on, on giving my opinion about the Sunday race because nothing really happened. I mean, as it is the case for the for the for for, for, for this season, especially Verstappen won. He started first. No one challenged him, or no one really posed a threat, a real threat to him. Other than than a mere but very slight threat by Charles Leclerc at the start of the race, but Charles didn't either go for for to bite him. I mean, he didn't really go with the you know full out to to go get him because he knew that in the long term he couldn't. So he he would rather stay behind and really play the long game try to maximize the resources to, to finish P2 and that's what he did. He let Verstappen essentially take the lead and I mean he then grew his gap to 20 seconds to 24 seconds and by the end of the race Verstappen was so far ahead and so confident in his performance that he even pitted for softs in order to still or to, to, or to really go get the fastest lap from his teammate because that's Verstappen. I mean, he's he's an animal that doesn't understand of mediocrity. He if he bites, he will go for the juggler, and that's what he did. I mean, he won the race and he won the, the fastest lap award, and that's exactly what he went for. He absolutely dragged through the mud his teammate. 
he showed once again to his teammate, to, to the team and to anyone watching that he is in command. He controls the strategy, he controls his teammate, he controls absolutely everything there is to be controlled and he's there to win and nothing else. No, he's definitely not there to play good boy. They're, they're definitely not there to play good teammate. And I think they've created, Red Bull have created a monster a winning monster, but it is at the end of the day a monster that is rather dangerous. If I were Verstappen, I would be super content with my situation. Of course, I would I would be absolutely delighted to in 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 this context. I mean, I've got a great team, a very a very strong team at the moment. That is has got the lead by much. No cracks in the system. A strong engine, a strong chassis, strong management overall. I've got a teammate that is competitive, but he's not giving me really a headache. What else could go? I mean, what could go wrong? Now, on the team side, you've got two drivers. One driver that is the 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 leading horse, of course, the winning horse, and then you've got another driver, which I mean, is significantly is 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 a good driver, is a solid driver, but he's he's not your your winning horse i mean he will step up when when needed he's shown to be a good knight i guess in a way he 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 supports verstappen well when needed he's he, he he's he plays teammates rather well in the likes of of barry keller back in the days or massa or i don't know or the team teammates that have become i think known because of their actions as as teammates not so much as as as, as drivers as, as lead drivers but in the lives of Verstappen they have created a monster it's, it's quite dangerous because they are no longer controlling him as such but they're getting they're getting control they're getting they're getting really managed by Verstappen and that is something I would be afraid of because the moment he gets upset, it seems that he's like a child. When he doesn't get what he wants, he gets upset. And then he, he kind of acts like, well, if I don't get my way, I, you don't get it. I, you don't get yours either. And that's quite a dangerous um, monster to, to really have within a team. Because the day will come where Red Bull might need Verstappen to... To abide by their command and they are I mean at the moment they, they have to be to acknowledge they have to be certain that is some that is something not that is not going to happen he will definitely not abide I mean the fact that the team tells him hey you need to take care of the, the tires to bring them nice nicely home around I think it was lap 65 out of 72 and he says, no, 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 let's swap tires, let's fit a set of softs and let me go for the fast lap. And the team then bended to his will and said, yeah, sure, go on and box and, and, and do what you like. I mean, it shows that it, Red Bull are the ones being controlled rather than the other way around. And, well, I mean, as a team, Yes, it's your winning horse. Yes, I would imagine you, you want to, to keep him content. But one day he's going to leave the team 
and you don't want a team that only works with around one driver and is only managed by one driver I would imagine you want a team that is capable of subsisting without Verstappen. Um, but that's a question that, that I, would, I, would, I would find interesting to, to study in more detail. Another comment about Sunday was the show that Ferrari gave us to watch. And once again, I have to be really harsh on Ferrari. And I said I was going to try to as objective as, as I could be. And I'm going to try to give the facts as, 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 as objectively as I can and let everyone make up their minds. And I will then give my opinion, of course, because, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel entitled to. So Ferraris, they are running to second and third with Leclerc ahead of signs. And presumably, by the looks of it, it seemed that Leclerc was trying to play the long run, try to keep their, his tyres as, as, as alive as possible, try to manage them and really avoid having to, to tarnish them, uh, having a fight with his teammate. And Sainz, the opposite, he's trying to really gain the momentum, pass, go past Leclerc and try to have the strategy then move in his favour because, as we all know, when there are two drivers of the same team running one and two or running in tandem, usually the first driver is the one who gets called in the pits first in order to, to keep the, the advantage to the first driver to avoid the other one undercutting him, so to speak. The conditions are as follows. Sainz then calls over the radio and says, hey, I'm faster, I'm faster, let me through, let me through. And Ferrari says, no, no, no. Um, we stick to the plan we, we, we gave the two of you at the beginning of the race. We're sticking to two and three to the benefit of Leclerc. But by doing so, I, 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 I interpret, and this is where my subjective opinion comes in, I interpret that by the fact that science was so much faster, I think, on track, significantly faster, they stopped him somehow to the, his detriment because by the time... the race actually unraveled and they pitted and then they went back to the track. Actually, Sainz had lost places to his rivals so much that actually had then to kind of make his way back to P3, which I don't understand. I mean, you're running P2 and P3, you've got one driver that is faster if you slow down the second driver and your competitors are not that far away as it was the case because I mean Hamilton was behind, Norris was behind, even Stroll and, not, and Alonso were behind, you're essentially inciting what happened which is they're going to, to, you're going to pit and because you're going to have to split them so much so that they don't actually meet in the pit stops you, I mean, you can go for the double pit stop as they did, but you're going to lose time. It was also a bad pit stop, so at the end of the day, it was 4.4 for Leclerc, 4.5 for, for Sainz. Essentially, you put him out on track again, where he, goes to, where he has to go through the, through the field again and regain, I think it was two, three, two, three places. I mean, they just screwed his strategy, and by doing so, he sacrificed 
his chances at being on the podium very much his his chances of being on the podium. I mean, he finished. He finished P six. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't understand. He, I mean, he, he it was Verstappen, Leclerc, Perez, signs. He would definitely should have been P three without Perez overtaking him on track, which actually was a very nice battle between the two of them. So uh, I have actually to, to correct myself. He was not P3, he was P4. But then he has Norris behind. And then he got a 10 second penalty for, for, for infringing the track limit. So at the end of the day, he finished P6. I mean, they wasted a lot of, res a lot of points during the weekend because of, of this specific strategy. That's my opinion. If they had allowed science to, to repass Leclerc on track, he could have, you know, gained that extra gap to Leclerc and then pitted in a normal way where he would have then pit, uh, come out probably P P4 and then he could have maintained, uh, kept his, his uh, P3, he could have kept his, his distance to Paris and, and still finish P3. That's, that's how I see it. I think Ferrari were the donkeys of the weekend again. They showed, I think, a bad judgment, which is something recurring lately. So, quite quite disappointed with that. Talking about the the next man in the field is actually Norris. He did a superb weekend, very strong, very very strong weekend, with a McLaren that another car that was improved and has actually improved very much. That is very pleasing to see actually very good news for the team they've done a very very good job with that they have also adopted this design that is akin to the red bull and it's actually working very well not so well in in the hands of piastri but it's definitely working very well in the hands of of norris he had good fights with hamilton both during the sprint race and during the race he had uh, really good overtakes and I mean he was playing police to, to Hamilton. We, we, we actually were witness to, to his, their, their, their comments after the race where Norris said hey it's nothing personal and of course it's nothing personal, they're just playing the game and it was I think part of the, I mean it's, it's, it's part of the race and it's, it's actually funny to see these drivers playing police. Hamilton was um, handed a five-second penalty for infringing track limits uh, as he was defending from, from Norris. And then we actually saw him becoming the police to, to Norris and saying, hey, hey, he's actually going over the limits himself. Um, is he getting a penalty over that? Blah, blah, blah. Which, I mean, it's something that Lewis is very smart. He's a very... Um, acute driver, very smart driver, and he knows that he's got to play all the cards that he's handed, he's handed in the game, and he both plays a very strong, uh, as a very strong driver on track, but he also plays the, the psychological side to it, which is manipulating, I would say, or, or really engaging the FIA with, with, with playing the, their yellow and red cards, as it would be in, in football. Something that I don't appreciate of him that much because he is a, like a baby crying as you listen to him over the radio. He complained about the car. Last week it was the best car ever and thank you guys and thanks to the factory, blah, blah, blah. And when the car is bad, 
he goes on the radio and complains about it loudly. I get it. I mean, every driver has complained about the car at some point during their lives, during their, their races. But as Alonso said, if, if you are happy to, to take the credit for the car when you win, you have to go down with the car when it doesn't. And I think it goes with your... With with your integrity as a driver. I mean, you're you're part of a team, and you go, you win with the team, and you and you lose with the team. You you can't have it. Uh, I mean, just one way street. As I said, very good uh, race by Norris. He was actually chosen driver of the day, which I agree with. He was a really strong drive. Then the two Aston Martins, quite a dull race by them. Alonso had, I, he didn't really have pace overall. He was just in no man's land, though he wasn't really bothered by anyone necessarily. He still had Lewis within four seconds of him uh, at the back, keeping him in, on his toes, but doesn't, really, didn't really challenge him at any point. No real fighting on track. And then Stroll had... It started ahead of him, but then somehow, because of the strategy quite as similar as, as, as Ferrari, they, when they pitted, they actually, Norris came out in, in the middle of, of, of the pack and then kind of lost the momentum. And as, as he, he lost the momentum, he just stayed there and eventually finished piece, I think P9, P9 which was quite unfortunate, actually, because they should have uh, finished the, both of them together on, in a tandem which was not the case. Um, it would have been more points for the team, something that they need in order to really keep within um, the toes of Mercedes and the, and the Constructors' Championship. And then Ocon, actually Ocon, I, I, I'm, I've half-hearted with the comments that have been so harsh on him. They've, he's been comment, he's been said that uh, he's been a horrible driver. He's been the donkey of the weekend because, I mean, he's, he was... He was handed, I think, a 30-second penalty at the end of the day for, for infringing track limits, which, I mean, as I say, is a track that invites track limits to be infringed, which is not an excuse nor an exemption either. But, eh, I mean, he wasn't, he's driving an Alpine, he wasn't that, that bad. I mean, yes, he infringed track limits over and over. He didn't, I don't know, he, I, I wouldn't say he was that much of a donkey or more than he is usually. I mean, the, he, he usually is. I mean, he's, he's, he's not your best driver on track either. So I wouldn't say that he was a, a different Ocon to what we are accustomed to see. We actually, I actually witnessed a, a great defense by Ocon. I think it was in, on, on the sprint race where he, he defended against Leclerc, if I'm not mistaken, on turn four, and he was on the outside, and he did an incredible defense, and I think that was, that was worth laudable. I mean, it was, it was worth a, a, you know, a round of applause. I mean, it was a really good defense by him on during the sprint race. So, sometimes, I mean, Ocon is that kind of driver that sometimes impresses you because he's incredibly quick, incredibly, I don't know, fast, incredibly aggressive and some of the times he's just dull gray and you can't even see him and 
when I say aggressive, most of the time he's too aggressive. I mean, there is a difference between being aggressive and, and being overly aggressive. And usually he's on, 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 on the other side of, of the limits where he tends to be so aggressive that he causes unnecessary situations that put at risk both drivers, as he did in Saudi with Alonso, as he did in, in, in Spain with Alonso, in, in, in the Spanish GP this year. I mean, the situation which don't really call for, for such aggressive measures. But when, when he actually try and manages to, to, to be aggressive within the, the right limits, he's a very, very strong driver. Um, with that said, I think there is, there is much more I would like to add. I would just like to emphasize, in my opinion, Ferrari are the donkeys of the weekend for really screwing the strategy, for sacrificing the, the strategy of the team altogether, for, for missing on some points that would have been really, really strong for the team, that would have been really a nice um, way to, to, to finish the weekend with both drivers potentially finishing within the, the, in the podium. But, I mean, it is what it is. I guess, as Thomas would say. With that said, I hope I have actually answered my uncle comments on, on how the weekend should be reported. I've, I think uh, I'm not the most objective person. I'm not a journalist um, for, as a profession. As a, as a profession. Uh, but I try to do my best. I try to, to describe what happened as best as I can. And of course, I try to give my opinion or, and share what I think of, of what the weekend looked like and what, what I witnessed. With that said, as always, please don't forget to, to, to subscribe, to follow, um, to leave a comment if you like in the, on, the, on the comment box. One last thing I have to mention is to Sophia, who is actually from Austria and who is actually, I believe, not from a village not far away from Spielberg, who apparently can hear the cars go around the track when they are racing. And she should by now probably be back home enjoying her Austrian mountains. And well, I believe it should be sunny by now. So have a great summer in your Austrian mountains. And with that said, have a good day. And yeah. Don't forget to, to like. Thank you very much and see you at, in Silverstone, I think, this very weekend. Have a good day.